The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, um, how many people were not here last week? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. How many people were here last week? Oh, great. Good. Okay. So, um, so this is part of kind of a whole progression of teaching on working with our emotions and our meditation practice and our life. And so, um, if you weren't here last week and the topic, I'm sorry? Oh, great. Yeah. So if you weren't here last week and you didn't listen to the recording uh, and you find what we do here tonight valuable, you might want to go, go to Audio Dharma and listen to the recording from last week. <clears throat> so the format tonight will be similar to what we did last week. Um, I'll talk for a little bit and share some ideas with you, do some teaching, and then we'll meditate together for about half an hour, maybe a little bit more. And during the meditation, I'll, I'll offer some guidance and some kind of specific things to try out. And then after the meditation, take a short stretch break, and then I'll talk some more, and then we'll have some discussion and questions. I was sitting this morning and just kind of reflecting on on how deeply we feel things sometimes. Just how powerful emotions can be. And I, I think there's a whole spectrum. One, one of the uh, folks in our community who was here last week asked a question saying, you know, I, I don't feel my emotions, and what's that about, and how do I work with that? So I wanted to just start off by acknowledging there's a whole range, right? There's a whole spectrum of how much we experience our emotions. Some people uh, feel things very intensely their whole life. You know, just a lot of emotion and just really feel things a lot. Um, other people don't experience a lot of intense emotion. And some of that seems just due to our character, our makeup. Some of it's due to conditioning. Some of it's due to our upbringing, the kind of experiences we have, the messages we receive from our culture, uh, gender roles, various uh, religious or cultural messages we receive. Uh, so there's that whole range. <laughs> Wherever we are on that spectrum, often we want to be somewhere else. <laughs> God, those people over there have it so good. How come I can't feel more or feel less? Or, you know. um, one of the fruits of meditation practice that, that I've seen in myself and others I know experiences, um, well, two, two of the fruits are 
One is that the difficult experiences, the difficult emotions um, seem to come less frequently and with less intensity. It's not that they go away. Perhaps they do at some point eventually, you know, when you're sort of fully, fully liberated. Um, But certainly I used to suffer a lot more than I do. And, you know, by no means do I not suffer anymore. Um, But it's nothing like it it was when I first started practicing. Even like going on retreats, it'd just be these wild swings of emotion and getting lost in storms. And uh, so the frequency of those is less and the intensity of them is less. That's that's kind of the first fruit. The second fruit is that um, things... uh, there's less resistance to experience. So whatever is coming up, it just it can move through on its own more. So oftentimes when we experience a difficult or unpleasant emotion, we make it worse by reacting to it, by resisting it or feeding it and getting involved in it in a certain way that perpetuates it, that gives it a certain kind of energy. So someone does something that bothers you, it upsets you. And in the moment it it hits you. And that's kind of the first uh, affront, let's say. And then, and then we start, and then it's over. But then we start thinking about it. And the more we think about it, the more upset we get. And then we keep thinking about it. How could they, and why did they, and they should know better, and I, you know, next time, and, or we blame ourselves. I can't believe I let that happen. I'm, I, you know, I'm such a this, I always that. And the more we think about it and replay it, the more we suffer over it. So that's kind of a second, and then a third, and then a fourth affront. Over time, as we practice, we start to see how futile that is, and we see that whole process of reacting to the original experience, and that reactivity starts to go down. And as that reactivity goes down, an experience is able to just be felt, be known, And then move on, just move through us. You know, just like this storm is going to move through. It's supposed to rain a lot this week and then it'll stop. It just, it has its life. It has its its kind of arc, right? So there's a teaching in the early texts about this. uh, The teaching of the two arrows or sometimes called the two darts. Some of you have heard of which is just what I just explained, that the analogy is it's like someone is, is hit with a dart. And that's an unpleasant feeling that we experience. Every, everyone who's alive gets hit with that first dart of unpleasant feelings. We can't avoid it. It's just part of how we're built, right? We experience pain. We lose things. 
Uh, things that we don't want happen. Things that we do want don't happen, right? That's unpleasant. We don't like that. So there's that first dart. But when we haven't trained our minds, we then shoot a second dart of our reactivity. I don't like this. Why is it happening? It shouldn't be happening. And then that second dart, right, that just makes it worse. And then sometimes we shoot a third and a fourth and a fifth. And this happens with our emotions. There's the emotion. Sometimes the emotion itself is a second dart. Something happens and then we start reacting to it. But then we react even more to the emotion. So last week we talked about just being aware of our emotions, that our emotions are completely natural, completely normal experiences for us as human beings. It's just part of how we're wired, that we feel emotional responses to events in our life, inside, around us. And to, uh, to just begin to be aware of our emotions. So tonight I want to talk about how we relate to our emotions. So the arc of this uh, mindfulness of emotions, I summarize in this little mnemonic device I use called the ABCs, ABC apostrophe S. So the A is for awareness, that we become aware just of how we're feeling, right? We're starting to just be more aware of our emotions, being able to name them, to see them, to know what's present. The B is for balance, which is what we'll be exploring tonight, looking at how do we relate to our emotions? Are we shooting that second or third dart? The C is for the the right relationship, the relationship that we're aiming for, which is a relationship of curiosity and care. That's the C for curiosity and care. It's just a sense of openness to just be able to allow an emotion to be felt and to move through. And then the S, the apostrophe S is for support, for particularly difficult or challenging emotions. Sometimes we need a certain, certain support. So with anything in life, and in meditation practice, as in life, there's always, there's always two components. There's what's happening, and there's how we're relating to it. There's what we're doing, and there's how we're doing it. So right now, I'm speaking. I might be speaking with a sense of impatience. I might be thinking about something else, even though it looks like I'm here. I might be really present and connecting, right? So there's what's happening and then there's how you're listening. You might be listening. So that's what's happening. Maybe, Maybe you're not listening. But then there's how, you know? How are you listening? Is there interest? Is there skepticism? Is there confusion? Is there frustration? Is there anxiety? How? So there's what and there's how. The how is very important. So in your job or at home, there's what you're doing. You're washing the dishes, you're cooking, you're brushing your teeth. That's what you're doing. And then there's how. How are you doing it? Are you rushing? 
Are you angry? Are you thinking about something else? Are you patient? Are you relaxed? Are you loving? Are you enjoying? Meditation practice is about how. It's about how we do things. Studying the mind and learning how, how is this happening? Not just what am I doing? We wake up to what we're doing, but then we start waking up to how. How are we doing it? How are we living? That's really uh, where change occurs when we start noticing how. We start seeing the patterns that run our life. So we have certain patterns in our emotions and how we relate to our emotions. So this is just the first, the first way of, of looking at, am I balanced? Am I balanced in relation to these emotions? Is just asking the question, how am I relating to this? How am I with what's happening? Very important question for us to ask in our life. How am I with this? A very empathic question. How is this for me, right? How is this for me? Then we, 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 we start to get in touch with our emotions and then we start to say, well, how, but how am I with that? How is that for me to be feeling this way? Am I pulling away? You know, oh, no. Am I resisting in some way, kind of hardening or bristling? Am I afraid? Am I afraid of this emotion? So these are, these are all the not wanting. Am I angry about it? Some sense of aggression, right? Both of these are a kind of rejection of the experience, a pulling away or an aggression and anger towards. Both of them are a rejection. They just go in the opposite direction. You see that? The other side is, am I wallowing in it? Am I feeding it? Am I sinking in it? Right? So if we're upset or sad, that's the primary emotion. How am I relating to this? Am I, oh God, why am I so sad? I'm always sad. I have such a terrible life. I'm never going to be happy. We're sort of, we're sinking, we're wallowing, we're feeding it with our thoughts, shooting that second arrow, rubbing salt into it, getting the lemons out, pouring lemon juice on it, really, you know. So this question of how am I relating, it's like, what's extra? What am I adding to this? Am I, am I shooting that second dart? Is there a layer of reactivity? Sometimes that reactivity there is so strong that, that that becomes the primary experience. So there's some sound, right? Maybe you don't like that sound. And so you start tensing up inside or getting angry. I'm trying to meditate. Why is this sound? Why does it go away? Right? Oh, no, no. That's what I'm say. Okay, I'm reacting. I should just feel the sound. Just be with the sound. Stupid sound. But the reaction is still there. You, you can't jump over that. You can't short, you, you can't, there's no shortcut over that. That actually becomes the primary experience because that's what's happening. That's the truth. Is that there's this second dart. There's this reaction. So then we just attend to that. Oh, wow, I, I really don't like this. I really want it to go away. I'm really pushing against this. And we just feel that, just the pushing. 
So if it's some emotion, we're really afraid of it, be with the fear. Some emotion, you're really angry about it, be with the anger, be with the reaction when that's what's the strongest. As we start to ask this question, uh, we start to notice patterns, right? What emotions do we tend to accept? These are okay to feel. What emotions do we tend to judge ourselves for feeling? What emotions are we afraid of? What emotions do we get angry about? There's different clusters for each of us. We just start to become familiar with that, to know that about ourselves. So that's probably enough in the way of an introduction to this question of balance. How am I relating? Am I pushing? Am I pulling? Am I sinking? Am I feeding? And can we come to balance? Can we find the middle? The Buddha's teaching is called the middle path, the middle way between extremes. One of those polarities is this kind of reactivity that we aim for the middle between resisting, avoiding, suppressing on the one hand and reacting, overreacting, express, like reactively expressing the emotion, letting it run us on the other side. So the middle where we can just have the space to feel what we feel. Just imagine that for a moment. What would that be like? If you had the space to just feel what you feel, what you feel. They're quite freeing maybe. So what I'd like to do is actually to do two short, two guided meditations, each aimed at a different skill to work with finding balance. So the first is being able to move away from an emotion, to actually step out of what's happening. When there's a very strong emotion, it can be very difficult to find balance within it, inside of it. Do you, do you have that experience? Something really strong is happening. It's like it's just too much. So the, the move there to, to balance is actually to, to, to move away from it temporarily. It's like we step, we step away in order to return. It's not a running away. It's just a taking a break. So there's a way that we can take a break by putting our attention somewhere else intentionally. And there, there are specific ways that you can do that. Once we've done that, sometimes you don't need to do that. If the emotion isn't super strong, you don't need to do that. But we'll start there because you need that first if it is really strong. Once, once you've got that, then it's just about making room. 
just having that space to feel what we feel. So let's, let's start by actually keeping our eyes open. I invite you to take up your meditation posture. So sitting comfortably, yet having your spine and torso relatively upright. This helps to bring a kind of alertness and a wakefulness into the body. So I'm just going to invite you to look around the room very slowly and, and with a sense of curiosity. Now let your eyes take in the space around you. Just notice the colors and the shapes. And really take your time. This is mindfulness of seeing. And this is called orienting. So let your head and your neck get involved. There's a lot to look at in this room. Different shapes and colors, lights. Letting your natural curiosity take in the space around you. When we do this, it sends a message to our physiology that we're safe. If you watch uh, deer or elk in the wild, you see them do this. They graze and then every now and then they look up and they look around. What's going on? And they go back to grazing. And they look up and look around. They're checking that they're safe. So we share the same wiring in our neurophysiology. When we engage the muscles of our eyes and our neck, we engage those nerves, it actually triggers something in the nervous system that has a calming effect. Because it, it sends a message that knows that there's no, there's no threat. There's no external threat in this room. wonderful way to begin and end a meditation, actually, to just look around the room. Taking in your surrounding with your senses, connecting with sight, with sound, seeing the shapes and the colors. This is an excellent way to find balance. And then when you're ready, letting your eyes close gently or just gazing down at the ground in front of you. Maybe taking a deep breath or two. And just feeling the body sitting. Feel the weight of the body. The sense of gravity. Maybe feeling the contact with the chair or the cushion. 
How do you know that you're sitting right now? What are the actual sensations that you feel that tell you you're sitting? Allowing the jaw to relax. Letting the eyes and the eyelids relax. Letting the face be soft, open. Letting the physicality of the body sitting steady your awareness. Becoming fully conscious of sitting. body sitting from moment to moment. No need to make a problem out of thoughts or sounds, just Letting them come and go like a radio or a TV in the background. You might notice that the body's breathing. I'm simply allowing this gentle rhythm to continue on its own. Beginning to include the sensations of breathing in and breathing out in your awareness.
if any emotion should be present at any time, subtle or gross, pleasant or unpleasant, just seeing if you can name the emotion, to just become aware of the emotion And then practice allowing it to just be in the background. You don't need to give it any attention. Just returning to feeling the body sitting or feeling the breathing wherever and however you experience, experience the breath. And if you don't feel any emotion, that's fine. You don't have to go looking. just sitting in full awareness, breathing in full awareness. As we sit together, I'll invite you to shift your attention to a few specific places that can serve as reference points to help us regain balance in the face of a strong, difficult, or unpleasant emotion. So first I'll invite you just to feel the sensations in your hands. Just leaving them wherever they are. And 
Noticing whatever sensations are most predominant in the hands. The backs of the hands. The fingers, thumb. palms of the hands. You might notice warmth or coolness. There might be tingling or pulsing. It could be heaviness or pressure. Touching, smooth, just whatever sensations are there. becoming fully conscious of the hands. Other experiences will still be present in your awareness. It's fine, just giving more attention to the hands. Next, invite you to shift your attention to your feet, just however they're disposed. Feeling any sensations in your feet. There might be warmth or coolness, weight, heaviness, tingling or itching. Feeling any sensations in the feet.
last, invite you to shift your attention to sounds, to the experience of hearing. See if you can notice the actual experience the volume, the pitch, the tone and rhythm, the music of your surroundings, listening to the music of life. For the next few minutes, just choosing. You can stay with the breathing, hands, the feet, or sounds. Or the simplicity of just feeling the body sitting.
So why am I asking you to feel your hands or your feet or to notice sounds? So finding balance when there's a strong emotion is as much about what, what's happening in our body as anything we do with our mind. So where do you tend to experience your emotions? Where do you, where do you feel them? Here, right? So it tends to be below the chin and above the waist. <laughs> so this this region, right? And so when there are strong emotions, difficult emotions, painful or unpleasant emotions, what tends to happen is this region becomes a little bit like quicksand or like a vortex. Just kind of thing, everything gets sucked in there. So, it's like being on a seesaw when you were a kid, right? If one person weighed more than the other, what happened, you know? <laughs> or if the other person's trying to be funny and they jump off the seesaw, <laughs> right? You, you hit really hard in the bottom. So, this area, when there's strong emotions, has a lot of weight to it. The seesaw's going this way. So we want to balance that by going in the other direction. So instead of going here, we meditate, you meditate on the breath, which is often felt here in the central channel. If you have a strong emotion happening and you focus on your breathing, they're all happening right in the same area. So you're likely to just get sucked in. It can be hard to find balance there. Not always, sometimes you can, but it can be harder. So the move is to move out, to go in the opposite direction, hands, feet, right? The extremity of the body. You, you don't feel your emotions in your hands, generally. You don't feel them in your feet, right? You don't feel your emotions in sounds, so all four of these that we did, first we started orienting, looking around, then hands, then feet, then sounds, all of these expand. They move out, away from the intensity of the emotion. Now the practice here is one of cultivating a relationship, not with all of these, you don't need to do all of them, I'm, I'm giving you a menu of options. You go to a restaurant, you don't order everything on the menu and try to eat it all. You end up with a stomach ache at best, right? And a big bill. <laughs> you just choose one thing. So take one of these that, that, that connected with you and then practice with it so that you develop a relationship with it so you get really good at feeling your hands or really good at listening to sounds, or really good at just orienting and connecting with what's around you. And then, when you need to, boom, you can go there. Something really difficult's happening, you need to take a break, you need to rebalance, you need to redirect. 
you put your attention there because you've strengthened the relationship with that reference point. Okay, does that make sense? There are other things we can do to gain balance in this way. These, these are um, uh, some of the sort of internal meditation techniques. Walking meditation is great for strong emotions. Very physical, it's moving, it can, it can um, uh, s- smooth and, and even the energy out, takes you out of your mind, out of your, out of your emotions, just feeling the body walking. Uh, and then uh, sort of more ordinary uh, human things like talking to a friend, you know, putting on some music, Again, things that take our attention out of the maelstrom of a difficult or strong emotion that can help us rebalance. So before I add anything more, why don't I just kind of make some space to hear from a few of you um, what you noticed just doing that guided meditation uh, or any questions that have come up so far about what I've been sharing and then we'll also have a, a period at the end uh, for, for more questions and discussion. So if you have a, 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 something to share, something you noticed, or a question, just raise your hand and Anne will bring a mic over for you. Behind you. Uh, hi. Does it work? Can everyone hear me? Oh, it's like not that. on, Anne. It is? Oh. Okay. Is, is it better? No, it's... I can do it without a mic. It's also for the recording. Yes. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay, is that, is that working? Okay, great. Um, thanks for uh, the speech and the meditation mm-hmm. session. Um, you said to shift the focus to the extremities... Uh, when working with difficult emotions, I've found for myself that through the practice is that if I actually become aware of the fact that I have a difficult emotion, which actually means that going in there, that immediately attenuates it, actually. Like mm-hmm. You can almost step out of it, mm-hmm. which is kind of a different technique to what you mm-hmm. described. So I was a little surprised to hear... Mm-hmm that you go to the extremities or outside mm-hmm. rather than in. So if you could maybe say a few things about that, that would yeah. be great. Thank you. Very important question. So I, I, tried to, um, I tried to address that, but I, I, I might not have made it as clear. So I'm really glad you asked. The techniques I'm sharing now are only for when you need them. It's not to be done all the time. So sometimes we can do just what you're saying, is we just become aware of the emotion. And in becoming aware of it, we find balance. In the very awareness itself, there's enough balance or equanimity, to use a more technical term, to just be with the experience. And then that, what you're describing happens. It's like the awareness itself provides the counterpoint and the emotion can settle. But that's not always the case. And when it's not the case, then we need something else. If that's all you know how to do, and the emotion is too big, you're out of options. 
then you just then you just start spinning because the emotion's too strong, I'm aware of it, I'm aware of it, but you just keep reacting to it even though you're aware of it because there's not enough equanimity. That's when you need to actually step out of it so that the equanimity can develop, there can be some more strengthening of the mindfulness and the equanimity. Maybe the intensity of the emotion starts to settle on its own because you're not actually giving it attention anymore. And then you come back to it to do what you're describing. Is that making sense? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah. Good. Um, so I had an experience um, while I was meditating is I had a sort of, it wasn't a strong emotion, but it was a bit negative. So mm -hmm. I kind of like named it and mm -hmm. let it go, and it did. Mm -hmm. And then a couple minutes later, I had this headache mm -hmm. start to develop. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering what that's about, if you mm -hmm. would have any ideas about that. Mm. Yeah, uh, I don't really know. I mean, could be anything, right? Do you tend to have headaches? Like, um, like once in a while, kind of like, mm -hmm. I would say the similar chain of events kind of has happened before, like uh -huh. where I let something go and then, but then a headache will come up. Uh -huh. okay. It's not a strong headache and they tend to uh -huh. dissipate, but it... What is, yeah, this is good to know. Um, what does it mean when you say you, you let something go? What does that mean? What's actually happening? Like the feeling will dissipate, basically. Uh huh. So, what was the emotion you felt? I'm not going to state it. Okay. But, you know. Okay. So, some emotion came up. It was unpleasant, and you named it. Mm -hmm. And then, what happened next? Um, it, it seemed to dissipate. It, it dissipated. Yeah. It just it got less. And when you say it got less, how did you know that it got less? Was it the thoughts changed? Was it the sensations in your body changed? Was how you, you know, where you were feeling it changed? The feeling itself, like, it just seemed to, you know, ebb away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where did you feel it, this emotion? Did you feel it in your body? It seems to be in my head. Uh-huh. So the emotion tends to show up in the head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a really deep emotion that might be right here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But that tends to be pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's a pattern, then, then there might be something going on. And um, without knowing more about you and your practice, it's hard to say, but I'll tell you the two things that come to mind to investigate and look at. Um, so one is um, to see if the dissipation and letting go see if it doesn't have some kind of wanting it to go away. I saw you do this gesture. Could be, could be nothing, but it, it could be an indication that there's, that there's some actual like, resistance to the emotion, like it should go away, and by naming it, there's a little bit of a pushing. Don't know, but check it out. Uh, because if there is, then that might lead to, like, uh, energetically like a, a backlash that would show up in a headache. So that's, that's one. Uh, two is sometimes if we get headaches when we meditate, it's because there's some sort of straining happening, even if it's very subtle, in the muscles of the forehead, the eyes, the eyebrows, the neck, the jaw. So anywhere up in here where there's any unnecessary tension can lead to a headache. So those would be the two things I would explore. You know, you could try lying down 
uh, and meditate lying down and just really feel all of the muscles in the eyes and the forehead and the neck. Just try to relax them all and just take a meditation period and just notice the, all of those muscles and see any time they start to tighten at all and just start to sensitize yourself to that area. Does that sound helpful? Or? Yeah, one thing to note about the emotion is it's kind of like a background thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sometimes they'll show up in the consciousness and sometimes they'll go back, but, you know, it's kind of it's, like... It feels like it's there frequently or often? Or you're saying it's a background, meaning it's just not very strong? It's, it's not strong, but it's always there. Okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So um, two things then. One is... Uh, When it feels like something's always there, there's often resistance, especially if it's unpleasant, right? So then look for that. Look for the part that doesn't like it a little or that's tired of it or a little bit afraid of it or wanting it. Like, the how am I relating to it? Look for that. Look for that. That's, that's one. And then two is it's very rare that anything is always there. So look for the difference between what's actually happening and the perception that it's always there. And really start to notice that. Notice the belief that arises, it's back, it's always here, and how it ebbs and flows, it gets more intense, it gets less intense, sometimes it seems like it's all, all the way gone. Okay, great. So yeah, maybe one or two more and then we'll... Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, I just want to say you've, you confirmed something actually I discovered in my mindful pra- mindfulness practice just a few weeks ago. Anxiety is felt right, kind of right there. It's a tightening in the chest okay, muscles. Okay, for you, yeah. For me, and it feels like something that it's there 24 hours a day, and it doesn't go away as part of your autonomous, you know, autonomic nervous system, so you can't say relax, and it goes away. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was doing that well, you know, notice it, notice it, and then I noticed that, it's not always there. The reason I noticed that it's not always there is I noticed that if I got distracted by something, so yes. you lose something. Yeah. Okay. And then you go off and you look for that thing. And so how do I know something's not always there when I'm not paying attention to it? Well, I could feel it come back. That instant I found something yeah. and I came back, I could feel it come back. And I thought, gee, this actually is effervescent. This isn't this solid thing that's yeah. always there. Great. And then another teacher did a talk saying you don't have to always concentrate on where it feels uncomfortable. Yeah, completely. And so, and this, this has helped me with Great. that too, so it's sort of a confirmation of that. Great. Thank you. This gentleman behind yeah. you at the black shirt had a question. Um, my question is regarding the meditation. Yeah. And um, I think when I was meditating, I had a, a feeling of impatience. Mm-hmm. And I wonder where that comes from or, or maybe how to relinquish it because... I really don't have anywhere to go. But I'm, I'm still impatient. <laughs> yeah, great. Great question. <laughs> yeah. Great, yeah. So where does it come from and how to relinquish it? Um, so again, you know, one of the things that you start to learn is like the questions that we ask are a reflection of our intention. So like look at like what's going on around the like where does it come from? Some of it's curiosity, but... I don't know, see if there's any like, I don't, I wish this impatience weren't here. 
And if I knew where it were coming from, I could make it go away, right? Or how do I relinquish it? Oftentimes when we ask that question, we really mean, how do I make it go away, right? The way to relinquish it is to allow it to be here. Welcome it. It's counterintuitive, but the relinquishing doesn't mean it goes away. The relinquishing means we're not fighting with it. Right? So um, it could come from anywhere, the same thing as, as we were talking about. It could be, you know, it, it could be that there's a pattern of impatience in your life. Maybe you're working and you want to get it done and you're driving and you want to get there and you're cooking and you want it to be done. And so there's this kind of momentum of impatience. You don't actually notice during the day because you're busy. And then you stop and you sit down and all of a sudden, God, why am I so impatient? There's nothing, there's nothing I need to do now. Well, the impatience that's happened that you're experiencing now actually has nothing to do with hap- what's, what's happening now. It's the momentum of how you were being in all of the moments prior. Maybe, maybe not, but that's, what, that's one possibility, you know. Uh, sometimes we can feel impatient while we're meditating because we have an expectation. I'm supposed to be fill in the blank, more calm, more relaxed, more focused, less agitated, less this, less that. And then when our experience doesn't match our expectation, there's that gap, what do we, we feel impatient. Or if your conditioning is otherwise, you feel angry, or you feel depressed, or you feel I'm not good enough, or whatever it is, because there's that gap there based on an expectation we have. Yeah. So um, let's pause our Q&A. I'll share a little bit more with you. We'll do another shorter guided practice and then come back to this format. So coming back to that first question, right? Why do we need to move away all the time? Well, we don't need to move away all the time. Sometimes, so when we have balance, when there's enough balance, which means we are not pushing or pulling away or sinking or feeding, that we're able to just kind of stay present in the middle, okay? One of the ways to do that, or sometimes one of the things we need to do, is to just make space for the emotion, to just make room for it. So emotions are felt in our body. They they have multiple components to them. We'll talk about this next week, but they show up in the body. Emotions have... Uh, certain physical signature. So if I go like this, you know, you, you, you get a sense of how I feel, right? If I slump over and lower my head. If I go like this, I hold up a fist and tighten my jaw and furrow my brow. If I go like this, I smile, right? So these, these physical musculature signatures of our emotions, they're, they're happening in our body. This is one thing you can start to pay attention to when there's an emotion present, is looking for the musculature, the, the physical signature of it, right? What's actually happening? If you're sitting and you're feeling frustrated, more likely than not, you're doing something like this. Your eyebrows are furrowing. You relax the face, the frustration diminishes. The mind and the body affect each other in that way. 
So when there's an emotion, to just to make space for the energy of it, for the experience that's happening in the body. So if I had a whiteboard, I would draw a picture, but I'll just describe it and you'll be able to visualize it. So imagine a stick figure. Okay? Now, a big circle around the stick figure. The stick figure is inside of a circle. Okay? Now that circle is the emotion. Very, very big emotion. And the stick figure is overwhelmed by it. It's flooded by it. When we're overwhelmed, we stop learning. Now, leave the circle exactly the same size and draw the stick figure much bigger so that the circle is now inside the stick figure. The stick figure is bigger than the circle and the circle is just kind of over its chest. Same size circle, right? But it's no longer encompassing the stick figure. The stick figure is larger than the circle. Okay? So that's, that's what we want to do with our awareness. We want our awareness to be able to be large enough, spacious enough, that it can contain any emotion, any experience. That's how we have room to feel whatever we feel, when our awareness can expand. When our awareness is very narrow, we're like that little tiny stick figure engulfed in an emotion, and it's quite, it can be quite uncomfortable, quite unpleasant, quite difficult. When our awareness can get big enough, the emotion size doesn't need to change at all, but we have enough space for it. It's like we're big enough to handle it. Like th- imagine, remember a time when you were small, when you were a child, and something happened that was really hard. You lost your toy, and it was, you know, and you were really upset, and you cried and cried, right? And today, if you lose something, you don't break down weeping, right? Because you're more mature, you're bigger, you have more, you have more experience. You see it in perspective. You didn't have that when you were small, right? So this is what we're, we're um, trying to do, is to strengthen our, the ability of our awareness to, to expand, to be bigger. So just as we were doing with redirecting our attention, we can do this in our meditation. We can develop the capacity to actually, like the aperture of a lens on a camera, to actually widen our awareness. Okay, is this making sense? Anyone confused about what I'm saying? Okay. So let's do another guided practice. This one will be shorter. And I'll just suggest a few ways that you can experiment with widening your awareness. So go ahead and sit again comfortably, keeping your spine awake upright without being rigid. Eyes can be closed or just gazing down in front of you. And feeling the body sitting. Becoming fully conscious of sitting.
Letting the face relax. Letting the jaw relax. Letting the shoulders relax. Letting your heart relax. Taking some time to touch in with the breathing, feeling the body breathing, the belly, the chest, or the nose, wherever you feel the sensations of breathing in and breathing out. First, invite you to narrow your attention by just feeling your lips. Generally, very easy to feel sensations. Just noticing the sensations in your lips. Next, see if you can expand your attention to feeling your whole body. And just feeling the whole body sitting. This mass of sensations. A sense of Weight, solidity, feeling the whole body. Next, see if you can become aware of the skin of your body. This porous boundary 
You might not feel all of the skin or everything at once, but just wherever you feel it, feeling this physical edge. You might feel the sensations of your clothes touching. Feeling the skin. And now see if you can sense just the space right around your body. It's that sense that no one's too close to you. Like if you were pressed into a subway car or a bus you could feel the bodies in front, behind, on either side, very close to you. So just noticing the absence of that kind of contact or pressure around your body. Seeing if you can sense the space just around your body. We're widening our awareness just around the body. You'll still feel your body and your breathing, but seeing if you can also keep tuning in to that sense of there being an open space that's unobstructed, that's not intruding, not pressing against you. And now we'll go one step further. So using your imagination now, see if you can Become aware of the space of the entire room. Imagining all of the space around you, above, in front, behind and to the sides. This open, unobstructed space. Widening. opening and widening your awareness to the whole room. And last, just coming back to feeling the body sitting and breathing.
bringing your awareness fully back into your body. Its warmth, its weight. tingling and pressure and pulsing. So once again, these are, these are options. It's not that one should always do this. These are ways of finding balance when you need to. So just exploring, widening your awareness to the whole body, to the skin, to the space around you, even larger. Seeing if you can make room to make space for an emotion to just be felt just as it is, to have the space to just be here very simply and directly. So take some time now for some more questions or comments. Oftentimes, difficult emotions arise, at least for me, when I'm in interaction with someone. And you're in the middle of that interaction. Mm -hmm. And so is the, is the sort of intention here to train yourself so that, that this sort of stepping back or refocusing becomes more of a, auto, a, a sort of not an automatic, but more of a place that you can go to while you're still in an interaction that's difficult? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, while we're learning these, these things, we can't just say, oh, can you just hold on a second? I need to widen my awareness. Right, exactly. You know, or, to I'm just going to feel my feet now, right, so just exactly. give me a minute. It, can't do but that. that's exactly it. We practice these tools in our meditation formally, and then over time we, stra we strengthen that ability in the moment to actually ground our attention, widen it, and find balance. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, you know, family tends to be the, the ones that get us going the most, right? So, you know, I um, remember many times with a sibling, you know, just practicing breathing and just feeling, the, feeling my hands or just really trying to widen as, you know, just the emotions come, the frustration or discomfort or anger or, you know, and it's just like, you know, the emotion's still there, it's intense, but it's like, 
it's like the stick figures getting larger, you know, so that there can be a, there can be a way of grounding uh, that energy and then also widening to make space for it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I like the second meditation mm -hmm. because I could feel my body and I had a sense of safety and protection every time you made a suggestion of feeling where your hands are and feeling where your skin is and your clothing. And I think when you're out of control with the emotion or you let the emotion take you away, uh -huh. getting back grounded and anchored in your body is a good way not to be swept away. Yeah. So I really like that. Great, yeah. I'm really glad. Some Sometimes... Um, sometimes the body isn't a safe place if really strong emotion or, you know, so sometimes things like orienting through sight or sound or relational connection can't, can have the same effect of bringing us back because, you know, the, it's, it's the present moment reality we're trying to get, come back into. And that can be accessed through physical sensation, but it can also be accessed through any of the other senses, through sight, through sound, through smell, through taste. You know, that, that's, why, that's why emotional eating is a thing. It grounds us. It brings us back into, it's one of the reasons, into the physicality of an experience and it grounds the energy, you know. It often provides a, a, a pleasant relief to the unpleasant energetic experience that's the that's the other reason yeah. thank you one of the challenges uh, that I have when an emotion arises is that when I acknowledge it observe it I automatically attached to it, I become the emotion. Mm -hmm. um, and what I found sometimes beneficial is rather than saying in my thinking, uh, I am angry mm -hmm. or I have envy mm -hmm. or I am shameful, mm -hmm. sometimes if I go to the place where I say, that is anger. Mm -hmm that is envy or shame or whatever mm -hmm. the case yeah. may be because otherwise there's so much judgment <laughs> yeah. for, for me. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a big challenge to, yeah. to do that, to look at it non-judgmentally. Right. right. Um, so again, I think the idea of, and even when you're in that moment, to take a step back and to mm -hmm. breathe mm -hmm. and to have that openness that allows you to be more just the facts. Yeah. <laughs> just the it, facts. That's great. That's great. You know, and what you're saying really points to, the, to the, the exploration, the honesty of your exploration and practice that, that you see that, that way that your conditioning, your tendency is to feed, is to go into, right, or to judge, and that you're finding a tool that works for you to find the balance, 
what you're speaking to is the last thing on this little sheet of notes I've got here. It's a perfect segue, um, which is, you know, this evening all of the tools I've been giving you so far are kind of like embodied or energetic, right? How to, where to put your attention, how to work with your body, how to widen your awareness. Another primary way of finding balance is with the mind, is with either the language we're using internally. So like you're, you're finding that the, the phrase, that is anger, provides the distance for you. Sometimes it might be, this is, right? Um, it's important to recognize that, you know, this spectrum I mentioned at the beginning of not just the, not just the range of emotions that we feel, but, you know, how we experience them. Uh, for some people who are on one end of the spectrum, the movement is actually to identify more with our emotions, right? If, if our tendency is to disidentify from our emotions and not feel them, then the language might be, I'm feeling this, or I'm angry. That might be the move that's balancing for you. Saying that is anger is actually not productive. Whereas on the other side, it's going in the other direction. Okay? Does that make sense? Another primary way of finding balance that's using the mind is with wisdom. With, with recognizing the nature of the emotion. Using, using your intelligence to know, like, this is, this is impermanent. Right? We, we talked about this some last week. It's like, is any emotion eternal? Even if, it's, even if it seems that way, right? So that's the trick of emotions, is that they seem like it's going to be here forever. But is it? Is any, th- any emotion ever forever? No. So to remind ourselves that, like, oh, this too shall pass, right? That's the kind of cliched phrase. This is impermanent. Even remembering that in the face of a challenging or difficult emotion can bring some balance. And as we practice as we learn these tools of being able to be aware in a balanced way, we start to actually see that very directly and clearly. We see its impermanence. We see it actually pass. We see that it's not here, and then we know it. It's not just an idea. And the more deeply and clearly we see that it changes, that it comes and goes, that it has a life cycle, then when an emotion arises, it's, it doesn't actually, we don't actually feel even feel like it's eternal because we've seen, we've seen its nature very clearly and directly. Another uh, way of doing that, again, we talked about it last week, is seeing emotions like as uh, weather, changing weather, you know? This is just the way, this is just the way it, it looks right now. There's just certain conditions come together and this is, these are the emotions that are here and they're changing just like the weather or seeing them as being more universal, right? So if it's anxiety, I'm feeling really anxious, it's not me. All people, everybody feels anxious sometimes. This is anxiety. This is, the, this is the universal human experience of anxiety, or fear, or anger, or confusion, or frustration, or impatience, or despair, or depression, or grief, or loneliness, right? All of these wonderful things we get to feel as human beings. 
right? And all of the pleasant ones too. They're not who we are. They're just, they're just universal changing experiences. So bringing wisdom to our emotions is another way of finding balance. And we'll look at that more next week also as we, as we explore doing what you had talked about earlier. It's really meeting the emotion, actually feeling it and experiencing it directly. That's, that's what we're moving towards here. First, we have to be aware of the emotion. Sometimes we feel an emotion and we're not. We don't even know. It's just kind of there, running the show in the background. Right? We're irritated. We're crabby. We're bitching at people. Excuse me. You know, we're, and we're not even aware of it until someone says, boy, you're in a bad mood. And we go, oh gosh, yeah, I guess I am. Right? So first, just even being aware of it. Then finding some balance. Right? Not letting it flood us, not judging ourselves, not thinking this means something about my self-worth if I'm in a bad mood. You know, it's just, it's just cloudy weather. It's not a big deal. Maybe it's cloudy a lot for you. Still not a big deal. When we find enough balance, then we can just meet the emotion. Just feel it, experience it directly. And that's what we'll look at next week, bringing curiosity and care to our emotions. So let's just sit quietly together for a moment to close. May our exploration and practice tonight bring more peace and wisdom to our own life, our own hearts. And may it inform very deeply and directly the choices that we make so that our lives themselves become a vehicle for peace and understanding in the world. <laughs>